0: God created a world and covenanted with the people. As this family grew into a nation, they were sovereignly placed into the most powerful nation in the world. This nation now had the opportunity to tell all nations about the God above all other gods. It's time to go the second mile and learning from the Exodus. Hey, this is Travis Agnew, and thank you for joining me for the Second Mile Podcast, where we seek to live out the words of Jesus from Matthew 541, where he says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go the second mile. And so in these weeks of this podcast, we are actually looking at the grand narrative of scripture in uh, our desire to not just know uh, basic small sections of the Bible, but we want to know the Bible and the way that God composed it and allows us to be able to walk away uh, with the truths that tell us more about who he is. what He's done, and then how that relates to how we are called to live our lives. So uh, I have created a 100-day Bible reading plan called The Word, which takes 50 um, chronological readings from the Old Testament and 50 readings from the New Testament to help someone who's wanting to get a big picture of the grand narrative of the Scripture without bogging themselves down into all the details and difficult sections like genealogies and whatnot throughout the pages of Scripture to get a good handle on the grand narrative then to be able to start slowly working through all sections of the Bible. And so with this, whether you're reading that Bible reading plan or you're just someone who wants to know God's word a little bit better, uh, I'm taking these 15 weeks to walk through the grand narrative of the scripture. And we, when we talked about the beginning where God created the heavens and the earth, created a people to convene with him, to be able to know him and to make him known. But as those people fell uh, from uh, obedience very, very quickly and the world, descended into chaos, and we saw that God would um, forgive sins, but also hold people without faith responsible for their own sins. We looked at how that God's um, these people began to try to reach heaven on their own initiatives that God would reach down by calling a man named Abram who would start out with a family and that God would choose this man to be able to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth, from Abraham to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob, Jacob to his 12 sons, and Jacob's name would soon turn to Israel. Then one day, um, those um, sons would turn into 12 tribes of Israel. But along the way, there's this one brother named Joseph who had been put into slavery into Egypt, and yet God was using him in a mighty way to allow the Pharaoh to know about the God of all creation. Now, as we pick up the narrative this week, we find ourselves at this place where Pharaoh is going to forget about God's people, and God is going to have to rescue them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and get the attention of the entire watching world. So here we go. Week three or section three in a grand narrative look at the Bible. So I want to pick us up in Genesis 45, where uh, as Joseph brings his brothers back and does something. So we looked at last week and how Joseph was a type of Christ in the sense that he had not done wrong, but that he was mistreated, abused, um, and even caused to be arrested uh, by his Uh, Brothers who were jealous and frustrated at him, at what the truth that God was revealing to him, so so much like Jesus. And yet when Joseph had the authority because of being placed in second in command in the most powerful nation of the world, when his brothers come and that they are suffering from the famine, Joseph has within his power to repay, to make them suffer, to make them uh, deal with the um, honest, the consequences of their own actions, but instead of giving them justice, he gives them grace. He reveals himself to them. They are shocked and dismayed. But Joseph says, bring me my father. And so his father, Jacob slash Israel, comes into Egypt. And all of this um, Israelite family now is able to reside in a good land in Egypt and to have the protection of that nation because the Pharaoh, his love for Joseph and how it continues on to the rest of the family. But as Jacob slash Israel does die, Joseph's brother realize probably the only thing that was keeping our baby brother from killing all of us was that dad was still alive, and now he is dead, and so we are all going to be in trouble. And so Joseph hears about these rumblings, and what takes place is a beautiful statement in Genesis chapter 50, where he says in verse 20, As for you, you meant evil for me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Joseph had accepted his role as an innocent sufferer for the benefit of God's family. And so with this, um, Joseph does not repay them, but gives them grace. And at the end of Genesis, here is the Israelite nation nestled and tucked in into the most powerful nation of the world, Egypt, led by Pharaoh. And at that time, it was an advantageous thing. But through the years, um, many generations later, there is a new Pharaoh, a new man in charge who does does not know of Joseph, who does not know of this family, who does not know of this promise. But he realizes this, that the Israelite men are kind of big, and they have lots and big families, and he is concerned that one day they're going to start a revolt. So what happens is, is that Pharaoh puts these Israelites into slavery and gives them horrible conditions at which it's almost so difficult to be able to function and and as a result that even fact that he is so concerned that he decides that he wants to kill the firstborn of every family, every male must be thrown into the Nile River and at that place is when a young mother decides she's going to do something very different. She does place her baby boy um, Moses in the river but he she puts a basket underneath him and what so happens is as he floats down that river being watched over by his sister uh, on the bank of the river. It just so happens that Moses comes up against Pharaoh's daughter while she is bathing in the river in which the Israelite babies have been drowned. And you just get that picture for a second. She picks up Moses. She realizes that what's happening here and she decides to bring him into the family and adopts him into this family. So Moses now not only becomes a man living in the Egyptian uh, country, he actually becomes a part of the royal family and he grows up in this way and, um, and knows though of his countrymen. And at one point he sees his countrymen, um, being persecuted by the Egyptian taskmasters and he takes matters into his own hands to deliver them by killing the Egyptian taskmaster. He had the right idea, but the wrong way about it because God was not going to rely on the streets of Moses. He was going to do it himself. And so, um, Moses has to leave very, very quickly to escape, um, the uh, punishment for what he's done. But all along the way, what God is doing is he's working something in Moses, taking that initiative, taking that heart, taking that motivation. But now he's going to do something very different in the way he's going to deliver his people. So Moses spends the first 40 years of his life in the Egyptian palace. The second 40 years of his life, he spends as a shepherd, uh, shepherding sheep. And then the third 40 years of his life, he's going to be shepherding a different type of sheep. And so one day Moses is out uh, with uh, his flock and he sees a bush that's on fire and yet it's not consumed and he stops by it. And then all of a sudden this voice begins to boom out from this bush and calling Moses to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. Moses, through a series of excuses, realizes this, that he's not dealing with some just ordinary God of which he learned about in Egypt. But, so, but he, he needs to at least know the name of who he's going to go and tell Pharaoh because Pharaoh has numerous gods of which he holds and says, well, tell me, are you the God of the river? Are you the God of the sun? Are you the God of the moon? And, and this voice booms from the bush and says, I am who I am. You go tell him I am. I sent uh, you to him. And this name that we would know as Yahweh that walks in the power where Moses goes back and tells Pharaoh that the great I am has sent me, the self-existent one, the the, the transcendent one has sent me to you to say it's time for his people that God, he has seen the affliction of his people and enough is enough and he calls them out. And so he promises deliverance that will take place and through it, Pharaoh is a hard hearted man and very stubborn and doesn't want to give in to any God or any man man and so at numerous times it says that he hardens his heart and at certain times it says that actually God hardens his heart. But Pharaoh seems bent and determined in his pride to to um, fight against any type of control in his own life. After the tenth plague, Pharaoh finally listens where the Passover plague comes in to where that God is going to judge every house and that someone is going to die in that house unless someone dies in their place. So the Passover lamb is instituted where a perfect lamb without spot, without blemish, must be um, killed, um, consumed. And then also the blood painted upon the doorposts of the house so that the um, messenger of God's wrath will pass over that house because someone else has died in their place. Just spoiler alert, that will also be the holiday of which Jesus, the pure sacrificial lamb who comes to take away the sins of the world, would be sacrificed on that week. So what takes place after that Passover lamb that all of a sudden that Pharaoh sends out the people and that they know that they cannot combat with the God of the Israelites. And so they are rescued out. But then Pharaoh changes his mind and sends after them. And right as they get onto the Red Sea, God parts the waters so that God's people can walk through on dry land. And as soon as Pharaoh and the enemies chase them after them, these waters consume all of these people. And, and, and then they are out and they are on the way to the promised land. And at this point, it's very interesting in Exodus chapter 19... God meets with Moses, and in chapter 20, he gives them the Ten Commandments. And you need to make sure that you understand this throughout the truth. God, God did not give the Israelites the Ten Commandments in order to keep so that he would rescue them. He rescued them, and then he gave them the Ten Commandments. And you say, well, is that progression important? It is paramount for your understanding of the entirety of Scripture itself, that God has never expect people to be able to follow commandments in order to be redeemed. We are redeemed in order order that we can follow the commandments. So redeemed first, Rules later, not rules first, redeem later. So God says, I'm going to be your God. I'm going to rescue you. You're going to be my people. And now that you are my people, I want you to start acting like my people. And He gives them rules and guides to follow, of which that are still wise for us to follow today. That after our redemption comes the rules of which that makes us be and look and act and think like the people that God has called us to be. This Exodus for Israel is just like ours of how God brings us out of slavery into new life. I hope to see you on the second mile.